Hey, I'm Lewis. Welcome to the show. Now, this time we are speaking again with the great Peter Cooper, my granddad. As with last time, a really interesting conversation. Particularly enjoyed this one because of the subject matter. Normally, whenever we come out a conversation, it's always very interesting because we have this pretty big generational difference. You know, 50 years is quite a long time to have different perspectives going into a conversation. Um, and the, the topics today absolutely showed that. But as always, really enjoyable. And actually, there's a lot of joy to be found in the mutual realization that we are coming at a topic from a different angle, but we're almost always meeting in the center. We may disagree on the finer points, as you'll see, but there's there's so much overlap between generational positions. And actually, I hope this can serve as some kind of example of how much baby boomers and the Gen Z groups actually have in common. And um, yeah, this is a very good example of being lucky to have a good conversation with someone older who is very open-minded. So I hope you enjoy. And yeah, today's topics were the royal family, race relations, and the perceived degeneration of political discourse. I've got no right to speak for the youngsters, but the youngsters, they're getting the same old crap we was pumped out. Not what you want, it's what you're given by these producers. I mean, do you need a producer in a radio show? Give it to the DJ and say, there you go, boy, play what you want. No, my producer, my this, my that. And you think, oh, who are these chinless wonders, you know? My opinion. <laughs> Can you hear that all right? Is that coming through yeah, the Yeah, it's coming through. Oh, so cool. The continuity is great. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, we'll leave it there for now. Yeah, just give the headphones a try. If it gets a bit weird, you can... No, I'm OK at the moment. Yeah? Oh, hang on, wait, no, no. Wait, I just realised what I need to do is, because you're coming out one here. Stand by. Aha. There you go, that's better. Oh, that's better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not so hollow. Yeah, exactly, because right. what we're doing is you were coming through one side and then the other side, yeah. so... All right. Cool, all right. right. See how it goes. OK. See how it goes. There you go. Cool. <laughs> Um, oh, so one thing we were talking about earlier, which was really, really interesting, I wanted to get back to it, was you were saying about, um, you said, who's really in control? And you kind of started talking about that again there when you were talking about sort of the radio and who controls the music. Yeah. Same seems to be true when you were talking about governments too. That was really, really yeah. interesting. The, could you remind me what you said? It was the difference between, say, the, the Russians and the Americans. and Well, all power. I said was Putin... I think it's the total control of Russia. Yeah. Whereas our, our MP, or Prime Minister, um, Biden, is it? The old pensioner? <laughs> they're not in control. They're just figureheads. Yeah. That's all they are. And I don't know about other world leaders. Hell, but whether you like Putin or not, he's in control. Yeah. I'm not saying he's, he's good, but the bottom line is he is in control of his country. Our lot are not. America isn't. They're just figureheads who, when they pull the string, they, they dance. You yeah. dance to my tune. Who do, you, who do you think is really in control then? In this country, I'd say probably faceless people, perhaps Whitehall. Yeah, you said um, Whitehall before. What What do you think? Like, who is Whitehall? Well, I, the way I see it, Whitehall picked their people from perhaps Oxford, Cambridge, yep. Harrow. You got the tie. If you like, it's still a thing. I think if you wear the right tie, you, you know, they say if you go to Harrow, Eton, 
of not so much Oxford and Cambridge, but I think Harrow and Eaton and perhaps Rodine, I don't know if that's important, but these sort of schools, you're earmarked, don't worry, when you leave, no matter what qualifications you get, you've got a place in Whitehall. Yeah. And they're probably because of their breeding, the money they come from, these sort of things. And they're the men who make the decisions. You don't think Biden or Blooming Ricky, whatever his name is, can actually start a war. When you said Ricky, I thought you meant Ricky uh, Ricky Gervais. Oh, you mean no, Rishi well, you probably do a good a job as what we call now. It's just they're puppets, all of them. Yeah, uh, and that's that's how I see it. And I can only call on my years of looking as an as a spectator. Yeah, um, perhaps Margaret Thatcher was one of the ones that probably had. Perhaps Thatcher and before her, they had more control. But these people we got now, they got no, you know, look at him. He, he just trolls about looking at factories every day. And they, they don't make a decision. They make some murmur of it. Um, well, like this H, H2, is it? Oh, well, yeah, HS2, know. yeah. You know, and, and they're being told what to do. You can't afford it, scrap it. They're, they're the ones who get their asses kicked at the end of the day. Yeah. There's definitely something. My to be, opinion. No, I. You, you can keep qualifying that because no one's out to get you at all. And this is why I love having these conversations with you because you you've got a very different life experience. You know, you've seen people come and go for many many years. Now I know that you're not um, you're not into politics. You know, you've never really been interested no. in us. No, you're shaking your head there. Um, <laughs> but it's it's still really interesting because you've seen the development, people come and go, and, and what the... Okay, so here's the difference. I'm fortunate enough, I'm fortunate enough to have had, like, book smarts. I've been taught, I've been given a formal education, you know, I, I, I like learning about stuff, but a lot of the stuff that I learn about is very theoretical. You know, right. you've got life experience. Yeah. So you've got... Well, you've seen politicians come and go for, what, 70 years, 65 yeah. years? Yeah. Well, so, I've only been interested since probably in the 60s, I, uh, late 60s, I sort of... When I become voting age, yeah. and I want to make a point that I've never voted in my life because they're not worth voting for, none of them. Um, I look back, right, once... How can I put this? 60s. Control was in the hands of the people more. We prospered. It was taken out of the, the government's hands because they didn't know what was happening. Suddenly, the people controlled what was going on. They controlled what they bought, what they did, what they said, what they watched. Britain boomed. Don't need to put the politicians back in control. <laughs> Straight down the pan. Right. And that's how I see it. Sixties boomed. The whole world loved the Union Jack. They loved yeah. All the cannabis, everything about it, because people of eighteen young opened shops. They controlled the fashion. They controlled. Yes, the they controlled freedom. everything. So in return, we were we were global. Yeah, you know. And then suddenly the petition, the, the politicians would get in on this, and they make rules and regulations. Whams! It all goes down the. <laughs> so, so do you see it then that if people were left to their own devices, to a certain extent, to, yeah. yeah, we are not. People are underrated. We're not given the credibility that we're capable of. And if you say to people, "Let's see what you can do as yeah. a mass," you'll probably find things would change. 
totally. But we're not allowed to do that because the politicians say, you can't do that, you mustn't do this, you mustn't do that. What do you think would change the most? So sense. <laughs> what I mean is, so you say, for instance, what what was different for you? So you you said about economic freedom and people were, say, um, taking advantage of their independence more, setting up small businesses, stuff like that. Yeah. Is that an example of... And what else would you would you think comes to to mind immediately? Just, thing, what was different? It's just giving people the freedom to do what they want to do. They could cock it up, but you got all these people. It's like, for instance, pluck one out of the air, Richard Branston. I think he come from a reasonably wealthy family, but look at the empire he set up because he was left to do it. You try and do it now, they put so many rules and regulations oh, the red tape, in so, yeah. you. You just think, oh, I can't be bothered. That's just one small example. You could take Alan Sugar. I'm a bit of a gangster, I think, but the way he did, because he was given the freedom to, to do what he thought was right. And there's probably thousands of other entrepreneurs, as they like to be called, which are just loaded business <laughs> gangsters, if you like. But they did. They made the country prosper. Yeah. And you, you wouldn't be allowed to do that now because you'd be given a rule, a regulation, so, well, you can't do that, lad. But... Go on, let's hear it. If you come from the aristocracy or where the go. old money is, yeah. you'd be allowed to do old it. Old money. But the old working man, oh, no, don't let the working man get too clever. Yeah. Fuck you now. He could take over the country. Yeah, you know, this this is a theme that I keep seeing come up. When, when, we t- when you tell me, you know, this is how it was back in the day, you can still see that common theme. You can trace it even back to your parents. You know, you say that when we're talking about politics and you'd say your parents, they're kept out of it. You know, yeah. you kind of, you trust, you, you said that your parents' generation, they sort of trusted politicians to... I was happy of, to bob along on the waves. And yeah. now, and this is why I think the, when we see so much scandal now by contrast and politicians, I don't think a whole lot has changed. I just think that now we have the tools to see it. Yeah, I agree, you know, yeah. Well, classic example, you think about Johnson and stuff and all the parties and all that stuff. I mean, fuck, I, was, I was following that so closely. It winded me up so much. But it was it was annoying that I, I would be bombarded with all of this shit that was going on with him. But at the same time, it was so good to see, oh, look, people are not, say, being held to account. I mean, he eventually was held to account. But at least people could talk about it because people know it exists now. But, you know, back in your parents' day, all of that shit could have been going on. And it probably was, but you yeah. never knew about it. But we still had the freedom to break out a bit, you know? my um, I'm not boasting because I come no, from that yeah. generation. We we broke away from it all. We busted the mould. Say, this, this ain't how we want it. Yeah. Now, I don't know why, as I've said to you, why and where it happened, I don't know. I was just at that age and it was happening. No, I don't think nobody actually looked at it and thought, oh, this is happening because of this. Everybody oh, just, just in went the middle, along. Right? Yeah, yeah. And plus, as I said before, we had money to buy things. And this is the trouble with young generation. Because they're not getting the money, they're getting despondent. And But we weren't. We were on a cloud nine. We was earning, we were spending. We were having a bloody good time. But the youngsters today, and I feel for the youngsters, I, don't, I think they're being closeted, kept down. They're not, they're not getting their full potential. We got our full potential. That's why I think for a few years, England prospered because we didn't have the interference of bloody governments. Classic example, Roland O'Reilly, Irishman, set up the first pirate station, radio. They closed him down. He was bringing in revenue. But because 
they had nothing to do with it and they couldn't control him. The first thing they wanted to do is shut him down. And yeah. Instead of saying, hang on, this bloke's doing well. And what do they do? They opened up Crap Radio 1, which was a load of crap. Go on, now you say how it is. What was it? You were going to say bollocks, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, say it. It was, it was a load it of bollocks. bollocks. But then, what, that's what all we had. They shut down the pirates, so we was forced. You know, we'll listen to Radio 1 because we're saying that's what's good for you. Fuck off. It's crap. <laughs> Give us the pirates. The um, <laughs> excuse my language. No, no, I, I don't. I don't want you to to censor yourself in the slightest. This no. is where you're at your absolute best. This is like the. I said this is why I wanted to start doing these and having these conversations with you because it's so interesting. So when you, yeah, don't don't ever censor yourself because this is when you're at your rawest, when you're at your most entertaining. When I get on flow. No, it's great. <laughs> so that's it. You see, that's a good example of how the government is stifled which could have been a, a fantastic industry. Yeah. Instead of, um, because they were offshore, the government couldn't control them. So the first thing the government did was ban any English company from advertising with them. Well, we it's cut the revenue. Yeah. What they did then, they started using American companies. Really? Yeah. So what did the government do then? They brought in this act that you can't, you can't do it, Airwaves Act or some crap they come up with. And they just closed them down. If if the government would have looked at it and thought, this is great, we've got we've got we're the first to be doing well, we're yeah, not yeah. the first, but America had um, commercial radio. We never had commercial radio, so if if they'd have been sensible and thought, well, this is good, this is good for advertising, good for the the music business. Oh, yeah. be, and then what they do, they stamp on it. Yeah, fucking idiots. And Just th- can't do that. This is a really really interesting point because I've you, you can see this happen throughout human history. It's the idea that some kind of independent group does something that people like or that's useful or good, yeah. and the powers that be look at that and go, oh my god. We're not in charge with this. Exactly. It's we don't we don't exactly. control whatever this yeah. is. Another great example is the Wright brothers. So the Wright brothers, when they invented the first, what was it, heavier than air powered flight or, or something like that. Yeah. You know, they essentially like a non hot air balloon, like an actual plane. Yeah. Um, That's right. The they were actually I don't know if you know this. They were actually going up against another group of people who were also trying to design the first plane, uh, and they were government funded. So there was this, so there were these two groups of people, the Wright brothers, who I think were like bicycle shop owners. Yeah, right? I think they were. And then you had the the government-backed kind of like proto-CIA, where, you, you know, they had all the funding and they all the technology. Right. Yeah. But who got there first? It was the Wright brothers, because they yeah. had the passion for it. But yeah, the, interesting, exactly. the interesting thing is, though, is that the, I think it was until, I think it was for the next few decades, the first plane for the Wright brothers but that, that you flew it was say. it was in the British Museum or it was in like an yeah. English kind of museum because the Americans didn't want anything to do with it because it was a humiliation it was oh, yeah. how did these fucking bike makers but this is beat the same us? with this government yeah. with the pirates yeah ex- you, exactly the just same just interpointing did you know that the Wright brothers first flight was shorter I believe than the wingspan of a jumbo jet would you no yeah really yeah wow i didn't know it was either shorter or the same length as the jumbo jets wingspan that was their first flight wow yeah but now you're right if if a government seems to be upstaged instead of embracing it they stamp on it and and this is it's probably happened with thousands of things the sinclair was it sinclair the c5 electric bike he come up with that was just poo-pooed. 
I don't know about that one. Yeah. It was that freewheeler thing, you pedal, but it was electric. The hovercraft, another brilliant thing. I yeah. Think, I think the Americans finished up with it. It's just... It's just... Um, and this is why I, governments, I wouldn't vote for them. If they offer me under a quid or a thousand quid, I'd say, stick it up your ass, Because all they want is your vote. And I believe, as a pensioner, we're going to get quite a big pension rise. Yeah. What's coming up? The General election. election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're snidey fuckers. Excuse my language, Keep but that's what they are. <laughs> I, I don't trust one of them. They're full of shit. It's very obvious. I, I finally saw that the sound there. That was really bothering me. Yeah, um, it was. It was getting to me a bit. Yeah, I'm all right now. Yeah, it's good now. I just had to balance out the levels because yeah. I think I was a lot louder than you were. Um, yeah, the the election thing is so obvious. You can see so obviously. Oh, yeah, I wonder what your motives are here. You know, you fuck everyone over for four or five yeah. years, and then all oh, the elections coming up. Yeah, we need the old people. But but well, as I said, I will not vote for anybody who's going to rip me off. So there, and there isn't a party out there that's not going to rip me off. So yeah. you can stick it. This is the thing we we spoke about this before, and I don't know if you wanted to talk about it, but no, I'll talk about anything. because you you aren't a fan of Labour either, and no. you you see it as and tell me if I'm wrong here. You see, you have distrust for all of them. Yeah, and I think there's there's a serious um, there's a uh, there's a serious point in that which I think is is people are quick to overlook. You know, I absolutely despise the Tories, but the and I, I'll, I'll be voting Labour purely for the sake of they're better than the Tories. But I have a lot of problems with Labour too. Yeah, you know, Keir Starmer, he, he's not. <laughs> He doesn't. He's not. He doesn't come across as a very likable person a lot of the time. Now, granted, I've seen some of his sort of one-on-one interviews and stuff, and he just seems like a normal bloke, which is fair enough. But when a you sir, see, a sir is a normal bloke. Yeah, but, right. Cause he is. No, but you, when when he's on camera, you know, for the BBC, or whatever, he he does. He comes across as so wooden. You know, he's he's so sort of sitting rigid, and it's like what we need. What we need is this. You know, I think is important. He's, he talks like the rest of them, and this is the thing about Trump. And this is so controversial, but it has to be said that there's a reason why millions of people voted for Trump. It's because he was a breath of fresh air for people. He's still an arsehole. He's a showman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a snake oil but, salesman, and people wanted that difference because he was, he was very good at what he did, you know? But isn't American politics razzmatazz? It, it takes, what, a year before oh, the... Yeah. And they've got the stars and stripes. Well... The, you know, it's, it is razzmatazz. The, Us in this country, well, I've got a few fucking policies I think you like. <laughs> but, the, OK, the difference between the Americans and the English is this. When we vote for people, we don't vote for people, we vote for the party. So when we have a general election, you vote for the Tories or you vote for Labour. Yeah. Or, go on, you've got a point to make. I disagree entirely. Because you? you get these silly old women on the telly. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, he's got a lovely suit yeah. on. Oh, he's, he's got nice shoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's white. We can't vote for him because he's white. Yeah. You know? And Maybe that's what it is that. in this country. People vote two ways. They vote for a party, whether yep. they're good or bad, yep. or they vote for the person because they like the look of them. Yep. That's all it is. Can't argue with they that. They don't... Your average person in the street, and I've said this to you before, does not understand politics. We mm. don't. We watch the news, we go, oh, he is fucking easy. He's funny. I like him. He's funny. Yeah, That's yeah, what people yeah. think for Johnson. And his wife, she's a lovely girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah the the, the like kids, they're great. They shit in the toilets. They don't use them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's do you know you make a really good point there because I still stand by what I'm saying is that technically I'm ta- I think I'm talking about the official side of it, which is 
we technically you vote for the party whereas in america technically you vote for the person you know you vote for trump yeah. Biden. however it's so true that it is person politics it's you know all that person you know, like, like you say it will come down to some people like his suit yeah and i people, think a lot of people yeah a lot of and people. The, the johnson thing johnson was so popular because he was like oh he's funny he's a buffoon you know yeah. he's so silly actually really he's a conniving yeah. bastard He's really good at what he does. Yeah, and the problem is, it's my generation and probably one or two, perhaps a generation before me, will vote like that. Yeah, they will not. They will vote for because they like him. That Keir Starmer, not Keir Starmer, the other one, Rishi Sunak. Yeah, he he wears like Italian style suits. So I vote for him. Yeah, he's a smart young man. He looks exactly, <laughs> and it's my generation and. Probably the women more. They will go for that. Yeah. He's got a lovely haircut. Yeah, he's a very chic looking guy. He's, he's, what's his yeah. I bet he likes kippers for breakfast. He doesn't. He likes Fortnum and Mason somewhere or other. Oh yeah, God. That's the thing. Okay, this is a brilliant point. So here you go. I don't know if you know this. Obviously, there's more to it than this. But on paper, Rishi Sunak is the first prime minister to have more wealth than the incumbent monarch. Is that right? Yeah. So Don't goes, get me on them. Oh, oh, you want me to go into one? <laughs> yeah, no, let's do it. Let's do it. Because you, your thing about... So what I always found very interesting, and I don't know if you're going to admit to the hypocrisy here, you hated a lot of them. You call them all sort of... Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say... viruses that... and all of these things. Yeah. Now, hang on. I'm going to say that. And then also, but you didn't mind the Queen. Like tell the me, Queen? Tell me about that. What's the difference between them? She was a proper monarch. She was proud. She was. She represented our country, and she did it for seventy odd years. She devoted her life. Now I'm not a monarchist. Oh, I hate. I hate with a vengeance. But the Queen, she had something. I don't know what it was, but she adhered to the people, including me, who hate the. I hate with a vengeance. I'm. I'm <laughs> drawn quorum, but her. Brilliant. So what do you think was different then? She was just old values. So you say she adhered to the people. What, what does adhering to the people look like? You know, what, what behaviour do you need to have to adhere she to the people? She was proud. She was... Professional. She, professional. She did... She devoted her life. I oh, know she had a good life. Don't get me wrong. She had easy street. And apart from that parasite she was married to as well. I had no time for him. <laughs> But her as a she woman, had a weird son as well. Yeah, her as a woman, you couldn't, you couldn't really fault the woman. You know, yeah. even the only fault probably you could lay on her was when Princess Di's funeral they didn't want to go to, and Tony Blair, yeah, bless his heart, he convinced her, bless his heart, Tony Blair. <laughs> didn't think you'd say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, within this context, yeah, that was yeah. the right thing to um, do. He persuaded, her. but she was faultless. Until the day she died, she, and, she was yeah. faultless. And um, one thing, actually, about, about her that, you know, because I'm not exactly a monarchist, but she... It's so interesting, I never thought I'd say this, but there was this kind of underlying thing of she was always there, you know. It, yeah. You're nodding, so you agree with me there. It's, yeah. There was, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's kind of like there is this stable line of, well, you know, Johnson comes and goes and all, I think, and actually she, she died just after Trust came in. But do you know what I mean? Like all yeah. of these prime ministers come and go, but there's this one stable line, you know? She's all, God knows how many fucking um, presidents, like yeah. 14 presidents. I think one of the things is she was she was one of the people, if you like. I know it's a terrible thing to say, so cliche, isn't it? Yeah. But she, was, she was one of the, she was one of us, if you like. In what way? Explain that to me. 
Well, um, I know she had a very privileged life, but well, yeah. I understand that in the war, she drove um, a truck in the, in the war. Right. And only a young girl. She drove a truck. She didn't scurry off somewhere and hide. Mm. She was just um, couldn't fault a woman, really. And I say, I hate her. Yeah. But especially a sniveling little git of a son. Well, yeah. Casey and the, I'll put this on record. Casey and the Sunshine Band. That's, that's who they are. That's King Charles and Casey and the Sunshine Band. Band. That's yeah. the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. When you said that, that really made me laugh. That. And you came up with that yourself. That's yeah. Really clever, old man. What you like? <laughs> Not really. So yeah. Um, well, actually, one thing about the Queen, though. And this is where, whatever, because I, I lost a lot of respect. Okay, this is difficult because I, I say this out loud and then you'll come on with a, <coughs> with a very reasonable point. I lost a lot of respect for her with the whole Prince Andrew thing because she used taxpayers' money to get him up on bail or whatever it was. Or she, she used taxpayers' money to, you know, pay off the woman or whatever who was making the accusations. It was like 50 million or something. Yeah. It was a lot of money. But then you might quite rightly say, which is, well, but until you have a kid. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, until you had a and kid, you don't know. It's her son. Yeah. And... I've got kids you haven't. You yeah. will stand by your kids through thick and thin. Even if it's and if, if it meant that you could... Remember, she's in the public eye. Yeah, yeah. So she's really difficult to do that as well. She's in a position, what do I do? Do I let this fester on or do I put a stop to it just by giving them... A... She knew she was going to get flack. Yeah. But she would have got flack whatever she did. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's, that's been in the public eye and being a royal. Yeah. And it wasn't her. It was her snivelling bloody brood. As yeah. usual, get puts her in the shit. Mm. She did do it. One, I'll say this, and I've got another point to make. One thing, okay. <laughs> I got lots of points to make. Carry on. One <laughs> thing that I had a lot of respect for her for was that there are many people in the world who keep working until like two days before they die. You know, I think she met she met Truss to to bring Truss in as as a new PM. Mm. <laughs> bit of a shame that was the one she ended on yeah. but um then, on a down point and yeah. yeah and then I think she was she was dead like 48 hours later I think she was maybe yeah. taken to hospital the next day or the day after in Barrymore or whatever it was so you think that's she's a pretty hard working old lady you know? and I think she knew oh. um, long before but she she wasn't gonna she wasn't gonna give her. and I I believe this is my personal You're opinion your personal opinion I like to make it clear. She would never give up the throne knowing that Camilla could be queen. Yeah. And I think she would... Just wouldn't do it. She didn't like Camilla, is that right? I don't think anybody did. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, one person in the world did. The snivelling git. <laughs> it's really interesting to see the um, the, the protests... So and um, well, this is a this is a bit of a this okay. This is one of those points where you kind of peel back the curtain a little bit. When there were the, the protests going on for old Charlie's um, coronation, but people were getting like led away. It was very undemocratic. Yeah. So there were there were peaceful protesters, yeah. and the police were arresting yeah. them, and they they were well within their rights to protest. You know, they weren't throwing eggs like some of these other people. They were just you know, yeah, well within rights, holding up banners, yeah. you know, not my king. Completely within your rights to do that. They were yeah. led off by police. Yeah, but that's well, they were all the police. Unfortunately, were ordered to do it. So yeah, it. but that's like yeah. Do you know what I mean? When when you see things like that, you go, wow, that's. You yeah. know who's really in charge. And I believe, I might be wrong about this, that the law was changed so she could be queen. Oh, really? Because if you go back to Edward and Mrs Simpson... Yeah, yeah, he... He, he had um, to go step they down. Went to America, step yeah. down. Suddenly, Charlie divorced. Yeah. Well, 
wife murdered. Which way you ever want to look at it? She was murdered. I can, was. I'll put that on record. And if yeah. I if I get taken down by MI5, whatever, I'll, I'll I think the that. general public is the public knew it. Pretty known know. fact, yeah. or um, I don't think that's so controversial. No, you know? it's it's part of. Di- I, what, what, hang on, we need to we need to touch on this. So the, the Diana quote unquote you know tragic car accident accidental death. So let's yeah let's just unpack that. So one of the most beloved and famous people in the world. You know, who, uh, who was, like, universally adored. You know, she exactly. was, like, the people. She was bigger princess. in the royal family. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, what's, what's the official narrative? The chauffeur was drunk. Yeah. As fucking if the chauffeur was drunk. They would never drunk. let him get near the car, let alone drive it. Yeah. A, a, a security person said, sorry, you ain't getting in that yeah, car. Yeah, because, yeah, she would have 24-hour security. It's so thin. Yeah. Thin. And um, and just for for the context around that was that so Charlie had been cheating on her for however long with Camilla. Yeah. They then sort of separate. She goes on record saying, you know, there were always three people in this marriage. Essentially, yeah. she humiliates the royal family. Exactly. She starts seeing this chic guy, and word goes around that she's pregnant. She's yeah. going to have a baby. Now that's not good for the royal family because he's, he's Arab, isn't he? Right. So and he, his heir could be a future. Perhaps a king. Yeah, I, I don't know quite how it I don't know, no, no, I don't know. But it is, the, the point is, it's shameful on multiple layers for yeah. the royals, and it makes them look bad, particularly because everyone loved Diana. She was a genuinely good person. Like The thing she did with promoting, you know, the fact that people who had AIDS were people, and yeah. not, you know, this diseased, yeah. contagious thing. Um, she did things with... Um, a, a lot of sort of charities. bombs. Of, yeah, yeah, the, the landmines. Land yeah, I don't know much about it, obviously, long before my time, but... Uh, I'll, I'll just say one thing, and I don't mean, mean this deprement, detrimental to her. Mm. She had a good publicity machine too. No doubt. But that's not to detract from the actually good thing she no, did. No, but... She yeah, good... she played the game. Yeah, she played the game. Yeah, that's fair enough. But yeah, all of that happened, and then, yeah, yeah the chauffeur gets drunk, yeah. and they all die in a car crash yeah. in a tunnel somewhere. Yeah. It's like, mm. I think what they wanted was killed um, Dodie. That would be the ideal thing, kill it. I don't think they wanted her killed, but she was just in it and was killed. Who's, I think who's Dodie? Um, that was a, a her husband. A, well, no, he wasn't the husband. He was the lover, wasn't he? Right, the one. Oh yeah, who the, was the um, her dad, his dad owned Harrods. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. So when we're talking rich, we're talking rich. we're talking mega, yeah, mega rich. You know. Wow. And I think her, what she was doing was deliberately trying to humiliate the royal family. I think she, because the way she was treated, she thought, right, yeah. now I'm going to show you. you what I can do. Yeah. And I, I believe that was that was a motive. She did a good job. Whether she was pregnant or not was never proven. Whether that was just put out, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I thought she would have more sense than that, to be quite honest with you. We'll never know. No, but we'll never know. There's no doubt about it that, that the whole thing was just extremely suspicious. Yeah. A bit just shows what they're capable of. She called them the firm, didn't she? Yeah. I, she called the firm, yeah. Yeah. I think I told you this. Um, we went a couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple of years. Me and Emma went to um, Windsor Castle. She did a tour. So we're standing in the queue, and there's a young girl there uh, behind us, and she, she was Indian. and got chained. She was over here on a two- or three-week thing. Of course, we got chained. And... Um, we was talking about the royals, and I said to her, um, "Well, if the royals travel, they'd shut roads off." And 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 she couldn't believe it. Yeah. She said, 
well, they can shut roads. And I said, yeah, they go through red lights, they shut roads. And she couldn't believe the power, and this is coming from a young Indian girl, she said, I don't believe they... I said, they've got that much power in them. They can basically do what they like. They're above the... Well, they are the law, because yeah. when you go to call, it's your... It's your uh, against Reg- Regina. Yeah, I think which Regina is the royal the family. Yeah, yeah. So I said they basically they can go and kill somebody, and you cannot touch them. Yeah, um, and I see what it is. Uh, the Queen, as I said, got total respect for her. The rest of them, I dig on bury them. We don't need them now in this society. We could keep their palaces yeah. and everything because that, like you go to Windsor Castle, you don't see any royal people. Yeah. You see the. It's the, the ceremony, the yeah, like and it pompousness is, and all of that. It opened my eyes um, to see it, and you think this is, you know, it's a good thing we've had royals through the years to keep all these things, yeah, these institutions, but we don't need the people now. We need the property and the pageantry. And pageantry, the, that's a great word. Yeah, that's exactly and all the hoo-ha, is. but we don't need the physical people. They're a drain on us. We mm. don't need them, you know? I rest my case. This is such an interesting point. The I've heard it both ways, so many sort of back and forth. And what I love about this debate is that you tend to find the common sense answers come from like ordinary people, you know, like normally like working class people who yeah. says, you know, as simple as that, you know, we don't need them. But what I really like is that you tend to find the royalists tend to be, as you can imagine, very intelligent, well-spoken people. So they actually make quite convincing arguments, even though you don't want to agree with them. So I'm, I'm really at a toss-up. One of, the, <laughs> one of the, the best arguments I heard for the royals, and I'd love to know what you think about this. I actually, I have no idea where I stand because I, I see both sides. The royal family, the actual, let's say, let's take the queen, for example, less controversial figure. The immediate. Yeah. yeah. They are a, they, what do you say? They are the human embodiment of, like, the law. So what that means is that, say, for instance, the Americans kind of have it in, like, Uncle Sam. There's this kind of personified figurehead of... Mm -hmm. When you say... um, What do you say? Go on. I'm tapping. Oh, don't no, no, don't don't worry. You're doing well. The, the the episode we did before actually didn't even come out too bad. Like oh. you can hear a little bit of banging, but it's not. Yeah. Wrong. You're doing very well. You're keeping nice and still. Maybe you've got a bit of like ADHD or something. You're a bit like the <laughs> place. Um, but I was going to say, oh, with the rules, the the monarchy is kind of the figurehead of saying that they they represent <clears throat> continuity. Like I was saying about the Queen, where she was there for so long, they kind of represent this stability of order. And you don't get that in other countries where, say, it's a republic or something like, say, America, yeah. where it's the president, but even the president has to be beholden to something. What is it? It's kind of like the rule of law. You know, they've got the Declaration of Independence or whatever. Or, oh, fucking not the dec- Jesus Christ. Um, the Constitution. Yeah. Fucking Declaration of Independence. Jesus. Anyway, um, you know, so they, they've got the you know, the different amendments that they have to abide by. Whereas what we have is, say, the prime minister. Who's the prime minister beholden to? Because if they are the person who makes the laws, they have to be beholden to someone. That person is the monarch. It's kind of like they're the one that has to sit above the system and make sure everything else kind of stays below them. I agree entirely. But? Till the Queen died. Ah, that's a really interesting point. So you think she was that important as she, an individual? She had, she, had the, she had the power, the respect of everything. Charlie, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. He's just like a. <sighs> yeah. So who else you got? Even his sons. Yeah. Harry, 
in a way, I get Harry totally. I believe, because I think he was Diane's, but he wasn't Charlie's. Well, yeah, I don't think that's And I think the Royals too. knew it, and they made his life hell. Pushed him and pushed him. And I think the last straw was when he married his wife, who was... And Meghan Markle. Yeah, it was... I don't know if she had a bit of Negro or something, you know. That was... Oh, what's wrong with that word? Is it, carry on. Is it offensive, as, Negro? As a, what do you call them? It's a bit of its time. But anyway, go and carry on. I know you don't mean I am not of this time. Go and carry on. That was the last straw. And I think they gave him an ultimatum. You either get out of this country. If you don't, we sling you out. Yeah. Him. And I think he was forced to go. That's... I don't know. This is... As normal, I, I try and put the pieces together to make a jigsaw. Yeah, yeah. That's how I see it. And I think he he stepped out of line. Yeah. That's how I see it. Now you've got the snivelling dad who is just not worth... He's just not worth anything. I'd sort of have a dustman or a road sweeper, honestly, <laughs> who's got more balls and he's he's got nothing. He's just... I don't know, it's not words to describe him. He's not even a man. He's a wimpy, limp-wristed prick. He's got sausage fingers, too. I can't really... I can't really... Without going into effing and seeing the things, that's... He's like, I, I've watched... i watched... The funeral. And they stood on the balcony, all in their little red... All their... They look like curtains had so much braid on them. <laughs> They're lined up. And they're like chocolate soldiers. I love them. And I've looked at them and I think, oh, my God, why have we got these imbeciles, idiots, that we're supposed to look up to? Yeah, the, OK, this is one thing I really want to jump in here. The The idea of looking up to the royals I find detestable. I can see the point of where, like we were saying, and it's interesting, actually, that you agreed about the the Queen was, say, the, the figurehead, you know, she represented where even the Prime Minister was subservient. So, you know, that I'm actually yeah. quite surprised that you agree with that in, in, a, in a funny way. But um, you draw... Trend it where it's due. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, the, the idea that... Oh, Jesus, what was it? It was... That was it. It was when the coronation <clears throat> was happening with Charlie and you could... The, the narrative that was being pushed, particularly by the BBC, I found, actually. Oh, well, it's government-owned, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's, you know, pure out-and-out royalist. But they were saying <clears> stuff <throat> like, oh, you know, um, our new king, you know, long to rule over us. Fucking hell, OK. He's I, I, the same age as me. <laughs> I refuse, I refuse under any circumstances to sing the national anthem. I find it disgusting. When you think about the lyrics... We don't need that now. The, let's, but let's unpack the lyrics of the national anthem, particularly now it's, it's Charlie's in charge. Oh, yeah. It's... Um, like long to rule over us, happy and glorious. It's, oh my I know. god! But it's Victorian. Yeah. Oh, it's so of its time. I mean, and this is where, and and I want to get your opinion of this because this really links back to what we were talking about before with your parents, where it was very the the social hierarchy was much more rigid back in their oh, day. Oh, definitely. Now, the the idea of old money and how they kind of there's a social hierarchy and you don't step out of line um i mean funny actually this is this is one thing i used to talk about all the time with zorka my ex-girlfriend is that she couldn't i'm not couldn't but it, it was very strange for the hungarians to see how it was so rigid for us because it had been there for so long and if you think our social hierarchy 
in, a, in effect, kind of goes back to William the Conqueror. Oh, we go a thousand years ago. Yeah. So, and and you know, stuff hasn't changed. It's been handed down in you know from family to family. You know, and well, the, the the incumbent royals right now, you know, their family they can trace their roots back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, and they've always been up there. You know, the 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 current you know well. Um, the queen you know she had german ancestry and and dutch and all of these things you know where kind of the the habsburgs empire and they all kind of melded together we have a very unique system where it's always been this way and you can't really say that about many other countries hungary for instance you know they had it was the austro-hungarian empire you know the hungarians had their own empire for a very long time but then you know the 20th century completely turned that on its head you know the austro-hungarians were dismantled after the first world war yeah then the communists took over and then the nazis were in power and then it was the communists again and now it's kind of this weird not really democratic trying to pretend to be a democracy you know it's constantly fluctuating with who's in power it's old money then it's new money then yeah. it's the nazis and it's yeah, new we money are more stable yeah so well at the moment it, but i think that might change well it's i mean what you're saying about charlie is really interesting because people liked the queen I like the Queen, you like yeah. the Queen. Two people who don't like the Royals. You particularly really don't like the Royals, as we know. But it's so interesting to see how now all of that's flipped now when he's in, you know, on the he's throne. He's not popular. He's not popular But I don't think you want to see anybody. See, I could go back to my gran. Now, she... She... In, in her... I mean, she was born in 18-something. But she... She's proper She respected the Royals. And she respected the governments at the time. She was brought up in, they know what they're doing, we don't. Yeah. And it's I can remember... Stay in your zone. Yeah. I can remember when we used to go to the pictures, at the end of the film, they would play the, the national anthem. And really? people would stand up Fuck and wait. To, yeah. Wait, it was God. always played. I'm going back early days. Yeah, yeah. It was played. The national anthem was played at the end of the film. People would stand up. Every film. Very... Very, a picture house full of people. Jeez. Very few people walk out. They would stand there till the national anthem was played. Then they go. This is the respect. Yeah. That, or the whole, if you like. And, yeah, the and, whole, that's a good word. Yeah. It's propaganda. It's saying... And this cool. is rolling forward to what we were speaking about originally when we first started this, that my generation said, fuck this. This, this, we, we don't go along with this crap. Yeah. We can see through it, yeah. or we can see perhaps something better. Yeah. And then the government got scared. Fucking hell, all these young people, they're, they're buying things. They're, they're, they want to take over. Yeah, let's they want claim, autonomy. Yeah. Let's clamp down on them straight away. Yeah. Boom. So I think, I don't know when it changed, but as I say, I always look at my generation and think, thank God I was born then. We had freedom. We weren't dictated to. We were to a certain extent, but not to the extent that the youngsters do today. You can't do this. You can't have a fag. Why can't you? Have, if you want to have a fucking fag, have a fag. You know, you know the consequences. Don't. You're on this planet for, if you're lucky, eighty years. Yeah. Don't stop people enjoying themselves. If you like a drink, you want to do this, do that. Let them do it. In my day, you could do it. Now you step out the front door. Oh, you fucking can't do that. Well. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, and people now are getting pissed off with it. They're saying, like that piss old artist of a fucking mayor of London, he's, he's closeted, he's crippling people. I'm getting a bit mad now. No, he's screwing people. Poor people, they just want to go to work, earn a bit of money, have a nice holiday, change their car. He's denying them that totally. Yeah, you're and talking it about... all comes under the premises of, well, 
It's green. We're saving people. Yeah. But if I give you 12 and a half fucking quid, I could drive into London with my polluted car and kill people. It seems it seems all right. It's totally hypocritical. Yeah. He's saying, don't do this. But if you want to give me 12 and a half quid, you can do it. And that's how it is. And... I guess, and I don't even live in the fucking area. I'm outside it. Yeah. But and yet, my polluting cars, my old classic cars, which are polluting cars, I could drive in there. Oh, they exempt. Yeah, they're exempt. That's interesting. And they're the isn't most it? polluting. Yeah, they're like the worst because they're all sixties and fifties cars. Yeah. And yet, and you think, wow, oh, come on, come on, public, do something, get together for Christ's sake. Yeah. But we won't because we're not allowed to. Where. I just touch on it. The no French. Thing. Oh yeah. You know I don't like the. Well, I ain't got no. I don't got any problems with the French. I got no. There's nothing wrong with French. I can't speak their language, but I don't like their fags. They're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but the French, they will stand up and say, "Enough is enough." Yeah. But go on. I think with the French, if they protest, the army and I don't think the police get too involved. Yeah. But directly, something happens in this country, oh, we bring in the police. Yeah. And that's the difference. There again, we're not allowed. I, not me, because I'm old. But you do what you want. You're old. I, I do. <laughs> we're not allowed to express ourselves. Direct we do. Classic instance with with the coronation. They come straight down on oh, it. Oh yeah. Well, you don't want none of that in this country. Oh yeah. no. This. I, I'm really glad you brought the French. Actually, I've had some fantastic conversations with some friends of mine. Actually, one of my friends is French, and he is he, he's very politically minded as well. So he knows about all of this stuff. Um, and we we talk about this stuff. It's so fascinating. The culture of the English versus the French is so different. Yeah. And I think it comes down to history because the English, if, if you want to understand what the English mindset is like, I can give it to you in a phrase. It was a phrase we used during the war. Keep calm and carry on. Yeah. That is That's it. True. That is it. And it's still, it's, it's still to this day. Yeah. And that, that is it. That's our thing is, oh, I don't want to be a bother. Oh, no, it's fine. Exactly. We'll, we'll, you know, you know, stiff up a lip culture. Yeah. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's, you know, we're all yeah. right. Don't, and we don't. will get in the queue and wait. Yeah. And that's the thing. We are. The, that, the, the queuing. I know that's <laughs> English people are so famous for queuing because that is exactly who we are as a nation. Yeah, it's, we queue. I'm really, oh, the dog's dying over there. I know. She's all right. <laughs> You're her best. Um, um, so the, we'll stop this interview because yeah. the dog's dying. <laughs> she's all right. No, well, she's I'll bet she get through it. Yeah, go on. Dog. Um, so the the English thing about queuing that represents us so well because we we're pissed off about something. We're going to complain about it, but we won't do anything about it. No, we'll just stand exactly. there in silence, don't. grumble a little bit. Mm. Contrast that to say the French. The French. Okay, let's look at history. English history, we just kept getting suppressed by the government. You know, you think about the different reform acts where people were trying to push out and get more yeah. and more equal voting rights. They just got trampled on over and over again. The French, they killed people. Yeah. The French, like, if they didn't like the monarch, they killed him and his wife. Like, do you know what I mean? Well, it's the problem with that. Now, well, now, I'm not saying that the French Revolution was very good because, you know, thousands of people, innocent people were, were killed. You know, so let's, we don't even need to go there. But there's something to be said for that it's, I think it's in the French DNA or it's in their, 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 their what would you say, their unified social history that the French population know that if you try and fuck with us, yeah. we're going to do something. And yeah. you saw, do you remember the, the Yellow Jacket riots a few years ago? You're right Sorry. That's right. You just got the, the microphone. Oh. You're right. The um, the do you remember that the riots a couple 
years ago. There was also one more recently. It was about pension reforms. But yeah, there was one oh, even they tried to um, make their working their life an extra couple of years. Yeah, so... Uh, just, they kicked off. We've been told we've got to work till 67 and nothing's done. Hang on a sec. So, <laughs> to, to put some numbers on it. No, I think, were they trying to... OK, I don't know the exact figures, but it was something like... The French government were trying to increase, I think, to 65. Yeah. And they refused to do that. It was only a little bit higher. By contrast, our pension age is, or, or retirement age is currently 67 plus. Yeah. And we just keep rolling over. Well, exactly. And letting it happen. Just keep calm and carry yeah. on. It's, oh, we're getting shafted here. Never mind, Timmy. Like, we'll just deal with it. But I don't think we'd be allowed to because the, the powers that be would step in and, and quash it. Yeah. And I think everybody knows that. So the attitude is. There's no point. We're a very, I think we're a very submissive culture. Yeah. You know, and the French are a great comparison. I don't like it when people shit on the French. I mean, the French are actually, I think, our oldest rivals. I, I think, think it's a propaganda, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like, well, it's us versus them, right? Where it's like, we're all just fucking people, man. And the yeah. French get a lot of stuff right. Yeah. Like, do you know that the French, they actually, you quite like this, you know, talking about politicians. Again, talking to this, um, one of my friends, a French dude. He says that the French turnover for prime ministers or whatever they are, presidents, whatever, really quick. They, yeah. It's very rare to last two terms, I think, in France. Right? Because it's, the French people are so dissatisfied that the French, they'll have one term and they go, no, you've really fucked it up, get out. Whereas us, we've had the Tories for f- like 14 oh, no. years But this now. is my point. Why are you voting for somebody that you don't really want to vote for? So don't vote. I know the argument is, well, if you don't vote, yeah. somebody... But my if enough people... Pissed off with all of them. Well, we ain't gonna vote. Yeah. Something could be done, and the, as we spoke about before, the voting system's all wrong. It, it, everything needs changing in this country. We're still living two, three hundred years ago. Yeah, in many ways. In many ways, yeah. it needs completely up. The, we've got politicians or people running departments who don't know what they're doing. You know, it's like somebody coming to me. And saying, well, Peter, this week you ought to be a brain surgeon. Yeah, OK, I'll do that. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a bloody yeah, go. but if that's what it is. How can you bounce from one um, uh, government head to another? Yeah. Um, oh, last week I was transport, this week I'm health. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that... Or education. Uh, I can, or, I can yeah. see where they join up. You run somebody over, you've got the best of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's so true, um... I mean, this is where we could very easily slip into philosophy and I'll fucking bore your head off. Um, all right, Plato, you know that guy? Very famous bloke. So Plato came up with the idea in one of his very famous books called The Republic, where he said that, do you know what we need? We need a governmental system run by... He called it a meritocracy, saying essentially that's a fancy word for saying competent people. Yeah. So the, he says that when, when we have the question, who should be in power, Plato said, you want people who know what they're doing. Exactly. Now, obviously, that's simplifying a lot, but he would... He... But no, it's not. It's You've hit the nail on the edge. You want people who know what they're doing, understand whatever department they're in. Yeah. If you're in medical, you need a surgeon or somebody who knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. some jumped-up, chinless wanker. <laughs> well, there you go, right? The, the current system is... It's a popularity contest for who gets in power, and then they choose all of their experts. You know, you we said about you know you vote for the, the party or the prime minister, but they choose all of their mates who are back. Yeah, them. they okay. don't choose anybody who's competent. Here's all right. I'm going to touch on this. This is a really good point, if I do say so myself. The the idea of diversity, 
within government is such a load of shit. So you got Sunak, and Sunak's like, oh, I'm the first. Um, I don't, is is he Indian? I don't know. I if believe he's. Right. he's um, I don't know if he's Indian or Pakistani. Yeah, he's obviously. one. He's one of the other. He's he's from he's from that neck of the woods, and he's he's the first Sikh. So he's he's ticked two two boxes. Oh, well, I don't know. If he's he, a Sikh, I he's think probably he, Indian. Yes, yeah, so I, I think he, I think he's the, he's the first Sikh. So he was like, oh, look at this. You know, we're really going up in the world. But when you look at his fucking educational history, he's no different to all of the rest of them. I don't think he went to Eton like Johnson, but I think you know he was. Oxbridge educated or whatever, you know. He, and then he worked at, I don't know, Deloitte or McKinsey or Goldman Sachs. Oh, because they all like, come through the ranks, yeah. yeah. So do you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, right, you know, yeah, you look different and you've got different spiritual beliefs, but underneath your, mentally speaking, you know, how your your cogs are working, you're the exact same. So, that's right. And you think, um, I forget the stat what it was, but it was something like the last, God knows how many, like, uh, the last two dozen prime ministers and all bar a couple of them came from Oxbridge. It was is ridiculous. They're all the exact same. And you say, oh, no, yeah. their mates are too, the cabinet. I think something like well over 50% of the cabinet is Oxbridge. They're, they're, they're all the same. Yeah. So how but, could you possibly have a, a change in attitudes or, or way of thinking about someone when they all come from the bloody same background? At the same mould, yeah. Yeah. But they look different, so it's okay. But that's, that guy's black, that's a woman over there. That, so. That's it, that's a winner. Well, yeah, we've got a black one. Yeah. We're, we're keeping up now, with America. I'm, yeah. I'm going I'm to qualify this and say that there is a point to be made on the other side of it, which is that a black person will, have whatever kind of educational background they've had, they will actually have some kind of different experiences, right? Like we said, we said will. this before we it's were natural. talking, right, you know, about the whole, you know, thing about the... The, the racial injustice with, you know, people getting pulled over by the police. She said, yeah, if you're black, you, you're obviously you're going to get pulled over more. So there are things where a black person will have had experiences that someone else wouldn't have been able to have. But that is one thing. Then you add on all of the other things, which are the exact same, the same educational background, the same political views, you know, the same economic mindset, all of these things. It's just a drop in the ocean compared yeah. to it. Like, yeah, you're black, but... Well, OK, quasi Quateng, right? Do you remember that guy who... who do you remember him? He was with Liz Truss. He was oh, the yeah, Chancellor. Yeah. He completely fucked up the economy or whatever. You think, wow, you know, up the surface level, this is a pretty diverse group. You've got number one person in charge is Liz Truss. She's a woman. That's nice. Then you've got a black guy is in um, number 11. So he's a Chancellor of the Exchequer. He's number two in, in, the, in the, um, the cabinet. You think this is a good diverse group. They're really going to come out with something new. Well, they did come out with something new, but it was fucking terrible. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they didn't have the diversity <laughs> of thought. They just looked different. Go on, sorry. No, that was it. That's my point. I believe, and this is really controversial. Good, I like controversial. Why English people do not think, or the rest of people do not think like we do? It's like a Spaniard. They don't think that different races of people think differently. I don't think that's controversial. Broadly well, speaking. I do because I'm now saying that I think um, Afro-Caribbeans, Indians, they don't think like us. You got me sweating now. <laughs> no, this is what I believe. They do not, and I don't mean this in a racial way, they look at problems or, or things differently. Mm. I don't know how, I can't explain myself, but I just believe, um, I mean, I've worked abroad, I've, we've had places in Spain, and they do not, we look, we're on a different track. Yeah, yeah. I can't explain it, no, but it's, it's, I can't put my finger on it, but I'm not saying they think bad or di- no, they just think different they approach things in a completely different angle to what we do yeah do you, do you know what that's no go on sorry carry on and that was all I've done. and I think it's to do with 
if you like, breeding comes down to breeding, right. especially in this country, because we're we're steeped in breeding ancestry. And I just think we think totally different from everybody else. I don't actually think what you're saying is controversial, to be honest, because you know, if if the classic example is say an Englishman versus a German, is that that I don't think it's controversial at all to say that different groups of people I think where, where yeah where, groups yeah, yeah where right. that may throw people off is where you say races you know different well, races well I was because I brought in the no, black no, no, no. directly you went in black oh you're a racist bastard yeah. and this is where the conversation needs to be able to change because the default reaction to that you know I, I said as a joke like oh you got me sweating but some people you know that would get their backs up you go yeah it would but anyway, but what what you're saying there, I don't think is controversial at all, because what you're what you're basically saying is different cultures, which is what we're talking about, have different ways of looking at stuff. But this is a problem. You mentioned the black the racist card. Now I've I've still maintained that I haven't been. Nobody has explained what a racist is. Mm-hmm. Is it that I don't like their colour? I don't like their attitude? I don't like their religion? What is a racist? Yeah, and what's interesting, I'm really glad we're speaking about this actually, because I think this is something where you. We know where we've spoken off of recording. You, you well, we, and we've been talking about this for years, right? Is that I think you, your default thing is that you feel that, and I don't think it's actually unjustified to be honest, that you f- get the impression that people see you as a racist, yeah, but you're not at all. You are absolutely not at all. You're actually an extremely open minded person. This is why I love having conversations with you because your default reaction it doesn't even mention race well I think where you say the, the things you say you maybe get not defensive but you, you kind of have to feel the need to justify yourself is that you feel people are essentially coming out to get you and some people are coming out to yeah. get you because they're not interested in the nuance of what you have to say they they hear you say black people or race or any any like one of those buzzwords and they go oh my god he's an old white guy he's yeah, going to say some right. really like controversial shit yeah. do you know what I mean so it's like this my crime because I, I point the finger at mainly black young black people which it is whether you like it or not I'm suddenly a racist you're picking on them I'm not I'm mm. just telling you what I, I, I feel is but see this is where cool. we've got a problem because we paper over the cracks instead of focusing 100% on the problem and saying no we can't it's like the police, this is stop and search. They say, I'm always picking on the blacks because it's mainly those who carry knives. Now, whether you like it or not, you very rarely hear of white people stabbings. Every time there's a stabbing, it's usually black people. Now, the longer people are prepared to ignore this or make excuses or paper over the cracks, you're not sent that focuses on the problem. Until you focus on the proper problem and admit it, you won't get this problem solved. My point. Whether you like it, whether you don't, this is how I see it. Yeah. And so what what you're talking about there, I'm so glad we started talking about this because I know maybe at first we wanted to maybe steer clear of this, but no, I'm really right, glad... It's a dangerous subject. No, this, this it shouldn't be. See, this is yeah. exactly it. And we're frightened to talk about it because we're going to offend somebody. You got it. You got it. So what I want to do, though, is go through this with a fine tooth. Huh? white dog. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking racist. You only have a white dog. I won't even have a black dog. (laughs) Um, I apologise for that. No, I don't. Fuck it. I don't apologise for anything. (laughs) So what, what you're talking about there is a statistical fact, which is... The majority of knife crime that happens. Is, well, what I see on the news, I can't. Yeah, this is all I, I'm, fed. I'm fed. You know what? That's a really good clarification actually to make because 
very rarely do we actually look at the statistics. But broadly speaking, let's let's just let's just make the assumption for now that what we see on the news is roughly analogous to sort of general statistics. You know, more more crime or sorry, knife crime specifically is committed by say black people in in, in London. Now, the default reaction to that is to no, it's me. Just kick the. Don't kick the dog. So. I've lost my train of thought. Oh, you're going on about statistics with a knife crime in London. Yeah. So when you were then sort of talking about the how we, we can't actually have a conversation about it, this, I think, touches on a really good point, which is that unless we actually engage with the facts, we're not going to be able to find solutions to them, That's obviously. Right. Now, when I say, when you see data like that, that more knife crime is committed by black people, if you can get over the immediate reaction of, oh, that's a controversial thing to say, right. then we can actually start engaging with, well, why is that the case? This is something we were speaking about before, before we started talking, and I'm, again, I'm happy we're talking about this again. If you can actually engage with people on a human level and you can say, why is that the case? Because people don't, people aren't born to, to go around trying to kill other people. This is obviously an... Adv- from I see it as this is an environmental thing. This is we spoke about gang culture and how it's is very heavy on like grooming young children yeah. to join in and a lot of economic deprivation factors. Unless you can start to unpick how this has happened and see people on a human level, we're we're forever gonna be stuck in this this back and forth of one group of people will say it is a statistical fact say that more black people are committing like knife crimes and killing each other as well yeah. you know so this isn't like a oh black people are the perpetrators no, it's and black people, on black right probably. so this, this is a problem where if we can't actually address those facts and we, we get hung up on, on a race thing we're never going to be able to have a dialogue about it and this is why I'm really happy that we speak about this because you I think because of your generational thing you aren't afraid to just sort of well, like I was brought up with them. Um, I mean, they were it. not so much the Afro-Caribbean, but the Indians were coming in and well, we had them in our school and we used to have fights with them, them mm. against us. But there was the word racial, I don't think existed. I never, as a, they were black, we were white. They wore some of them were turban, some didn't. But the word racist, I don't ever remember it being used. It was just uh, kids fighting, which did it. And they thought they were good at given as good as they got. Yeah. It was, there was never this um, underlying hatred, if you like. It was, um, and I never, um, the only contact I had with the Afro-Caribbeans and, and, uh, was through the music. We had reggae come along and um, Blue Beat and all that, but it was accepted. It was never, oh, you listen to that fucking shit. You know, it was, there was never um, any tension, if you like. Right. When I was young. Yeah. And I, I, I want to backtrack for a minute on, on something. My dad, in the war, six years, fought the Germans. He had total respect for the German army. He said they was the best fighting force, and he said if the Germans would have joined up with the English fighting force, we could have beat anybody in the world, because he said they were disciplined. They were a good fight, he said, and he... He was stationed for some reason because he was in the engineers. He was put with the Americans. He said the most sloppiest, under um, 
organised. He said all I was interested in was fags, women and booze. They, and he was stationed with them. The Americans had resources, didn't they? Yeah. They the only the only time he was very sensible, my dad. He would, he said, when I was with him, there was a, a, a few English, and he said, in the morning, they would, all the Yanks would get up and they'd go out and they'd salute the flag. And he thought, well, they're doing it, I'll do it. And he said, I went out and he said, I saluted the flag. He said, from then on, he said, I couldn't do nothing wrong. They respected it because he respected the flag. Yeah. But backtracking, he said, the German fighting force were as good as we were. Yeah. They were disciplined, everything. You know, you see all these films about the Germans doing this. He said, they were just blokes ordering, being ordered to kill. Yeah. And he said, we were the same. But he said he had total respect for the Germans. Yeah. And there's a man who was against, yeah, you yeah, think yeah. he'd hate them. He didn't. He, yeah. he said, total respect for that. That, uh, that was coming from a man who spent six years fighting... For what? I don't know, yeah. because I don't think anybody does. It's, just, it's so, such a good point. It's such a good point. And actually, that, funny enough, ties back to what we were saying just about the, the whole knife crime thing, which is that, can you see someone on a human level? Are you willing to engage with someone? And maybe maybe this is maybe this is slightly harder from you, because I know you, you... Well, we were speaking about this before we started recording, and you were sort of like... It, it was angry, you know, it was making you angry. Yeah. For you to see, like... You know, what the fuck are these people doing? Like, yeah. I'm killing people. If you go on, you no, go on. go on. You carry on. I've got one, a couple of points I want to make. If, I'm on one now. No, this roll. is this is great. This is <laughs> I'm really really enjoying this, by the way. So if you can view, we we were talking about that that poor girl, that's 15, 16 year old 16, who, who yeah. was stabbed in the neck. If you can somehow find a way to view the person that did that as a in, it must be so difficult to do, but as a human and to think, how could you do that? How that that person, like I say, he was born, he was raised as a child. He didn't he didn't set out to do that to to kill someone. He's still a person. That sounds like yeah. a horrible thing to say because he's torn a family apart forever. But if you can unpack how did how did we get here essentially, and you can understand what leads a person to become like that. I want to mention this point again. I said this yeah. to you off recording. That book, Ordinary Men, fantastic book. It talks about how an ordinary group of German policemen during the Second World War, you know, some of them were postmen or policemen or teachers, whatever, before the war, and they went into, into the war. And by the end of the war, by six years, those same ordinary men were yeah. shooting pregnant women at the back of the head, you know, bashing children against rocks to kill them because they yeah, had gone through those years and they had conditioned themselves to see Jewish people as non-humans and that they were doing the world a favour in the same way yeah. that you, this, this, the black-on-black -black knife crime, you think, how did we get here? How can you go and, and kill your fellow humans in the street? You think that there's there's an underlying... There's an, under, there's an underlying culture that some people are embroiled in, particularly in London, in, in gang culture, where they somehow get into this mind state where it is acceptable to do that. If we can understand how people become wires to find themselves in a situation where they're able to do that, what what most of us would think is completely inconceivable, to stab someone in the neck, a child yeah. in the neck. If if we can find out how that person got there, we can find the source and then we can start to work through it together in non-racial terms on a human level. Actually, I'm sorry, I've got to go off on this one because I've, I've been thinking about this for years and years and years. When we talk about black versus white or men versus women or whatever, 
the language we use is so inflammatory and we're pitting ourselves against each other. We're saying that, and it's not to disregard that there are problems. Of course there are problems. You know, women face a lot of problems from men and, you know, and there are problems on both sides. You know, <coughs> there is inequality. Whenever you've got a X and Y, you know, men and women, black and white, or, you know, um, migrants and, and nationalists or whatever, we're, we're dividing ourselves along lines. If we can get to the baseline level, which is everyone is a human. Right. I know that sounds so tree-huggy and hippie-ish, but it's true. It's that yeah. everyone is a person. And if you can view our problems on a human level, so say, for instance, knife crime, if we can stop saying oh, black people kill other black people and go, these are people. Yeah, they have black skin or whatever, most of them do. But these are people who are stabbing other people or, or you know, the, these people face sexual discrimination or these people, you know, being abused by these other people. If we see people on human terms, then we can address things on a human level and we won't get so caught up in the controversy of fucking race and gender and yeah. sexuality and religion. Right. All right. Now I'll I'm done. Blast you one straight back at Go on, I'm ready. The reason is... Your do-gooders and your governments, because your average black person, they're happy to live their life. Directly there's a stabbing, the do-gooders are straight on it. Oh, it's a, we're, we're being suppressed. We're being, then the black people start to believe all this shit. They're not suppressed. 90% of the black people are equal and probably accept it. But the do-gooders come on the telly. Oh! He stabbed her because he's he's been picked on. Blur, fucking blur. He's not being picked on. It's the do-gooders that are stirring up the racial tension. And the black people are starting to believe this fucking crap. And you get the social worker come on. Yeah, well, it's the conditions they're living in. Probably a lot of fucking black people are driving about in BMWs and living a very nice life. Thank you very much. And they're stirring it. And while I'm on the subject, because I'm on a roll... God. The government are doing no favours by letting all these people come in on boats because they're making the racial tensions worse. It's stirring it all the time. Muddy waters are now being churned up. So we're not just moaning about the ethnics and the blacks. We're now moaning about the fucking boat people who are coming here. We should. The government should say enough is that we've got to stop this because they're stirring up tension all the time. And when they do that, the English people would not just pick on the boat people, they start turning their backs on Mr Patel with his calling shop. It will it will roll and it will roll. And tensions are getting pretty bad in this country and it's gonna get worse. Instead of diffusing the situation by saying we're not accepting these people. They're illegal. The law says they shouldn't be here, but we don't, we let them in. And your average Joe in the street, like me, saying, what the fuck's going on? People like me, fortunately, I'm very healthy. People like me, and people say, oh, you're talking crap, who have paid into the national health system all their life, who might have cancer or something, they've been pushed to the back of the queue. But if you come over on a boat, you've got something wrong with you, fucking let's sort him out straight away. We won't let him suffer. And this is where people are pissed off with it. I'm pissed. I don't care, because I'm old. My life is coming to an end. I won't see the outcome of this. But believe me, in 20, 30 years, when these people are settled here, none of them fucking work. They won't work. If you might get a few genuine people, they're going to they're gonna suck out the system. And the systems, where are we going to put them all? We've got a housing shortage. 
Where are we going to pull these people? They can't live on fucking boats for the rest of their life. Well, they're not... They're refusing to live on boats. Mm. Fucking hell, come on. It, it, it riles me so much that this is my country. I'm an Englishman. It's still my country. And to see all this... And I will call them shit because a lot of them are shit. There's genuine ones, but there's a lot just coming here to scrounge. And you've got to stop it. It's got to be stopped because... If it's not, we've got racial problems. We all know there's big racial problems in this country. It's tensions. Tension, which I, I get. I say it won't affect me. It'll affect you, you're my grandson, and it affects your kids. But this, this will not just fizzle out. It will get worse and worse because we've got a housing shortage. We've got people living on the streets. Now, how can people live on the streets? Some of them are ex army and that, they got problems, but they can't get nowhere to live. These people come over here and they put me in a very nice hotel, thank you very much. People like me look at this and say, what's going on? Who's, who's controlling this country? Idiots. They're not intelligent people. You've got to look after your own. And, and their own are people who are not so much people who fought in the war because most of them are dead, but mm. people who have put their put their time in. You know, they've done their, their 40 years, yeah. they've paid into the system. You get people with cancer. Well, we can't really... There was one woman on the... T- oh, really, sorry, I do no, get wrong. I, I want to hear it. There was one woman on the telly. She was supposed... She was diagnosed, I believe, but she was put back two years. And she said, I might be dead by then, because... They're fucking treating other people. Now, come on. Yeah, I'm going to say one thing on this, because... I'm I'm really happy we're talking about this because I think that particularly on on issues that are considered when when how do you say when you when you're talking about issues where you're sort of in the minority and particularly when that minority is perceived to be a a negative one like all oh, these immigrants coming over here I think it's very dangerous to just disregard it and go oh he's fucking racist he's talking about the fucking yeah, and that's where I get the race yeah. I'm, I'm racist because I don't I, I see what's going on yeah. but I'm and I, I really I really don't like the fact that that's the default reaction to people and you know a big one actually LBC I know oh uh, load of bloody crap yeah that's what I call <laughs> that's, that is that what it stands yeah. for LBC well it is from me, my book <laughs> so LBC is is it just just to clarify is oh, it a, so um, you listen to that it's so biased it's, it's a political talk show yeah. So on on the radio now, what I really don't like is that the uh, some of the commentators on LBC they're very patronising. Yeah. Towards they may say technically I think personally be in the quote unquote right, yeah. but the way they they engage with people with whose opinion they disagree, I think is so counterproductive because people essentially, let's say you've said all the things you've said there, and if I were, I'm just going to be upfront, someone else from my generation. Oh, they jump down your throat straight away. You fucking racist, you can't say that. But where I think we really need to take a step back and say, when you have a problem, so you just expressed all of that, there has to be some truth in it. And the reason why I say that is because so many people feel this way. Maybe, okay, not everyone's going to agree on how you express it or maybe, you know, maybe you've got some of the finer points wrong or, or some of the arguments. Oh, definitely, not definitely. But, but the broad sentiment is so commonplace across the population and I think that tells us something. It's not to say that, you know, I don't necessarily agree with everything you're saying, but the you are expressing an emotion which is felt so strongly across the country and to me that's that screaming out something isn't right here right. a great example of that i think on this note say not to get too off topic but with brexit and with with the eu thing 
it's another classic example of we just we've just divided ourselves and gone, I'm a Remainer and I'm a Lever. Now, objectively speaking, remaining in the, in the EU was a very good decision and to have left us has hurt us economically in many different ways. But to, to completely disregard the problems that all of the people who vote Leave have had is is to brush under the or sweep under the rug genuine concerns and issues. Um, I think to say that, oh, one group is right and another group is wrong. And moreover, if you're in the wrong group, you're a piece of shit racist and you un don't understand this and, you know, you're too fucking stupid to look up for stuff yourself. No, there's, there's, there, were, there was a genuine concern with how the EU was functioning. And I think that's a very appropriate thing to call out. Now, we didn't maybe express it in the right way by voting to fucking leave, but I don't blame the population for that at all. I think we were manipulated. But anyway, that's a whole other thing in itself. Yeah. Oh, deep breath. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, well, I'm on one now. So when you're talking about illegal immigrants coming over, I think it's it's so important to not just disregard and go, oh, he's one of those fucking white old people talking about the bloody immigrants. It's like, no, there's a genuine concern there. I'm going to give you a great example. My barber, he's a fantastic, lovely man. His name is Saif, S-A-I-F. He is from Iraq. He's been here for the last 27 years, and he has the exact same opinion as you. Yeah. The way he sees it is that Funny, we were talking earlier about sort of Germans and whatever, and different cultures, different different groups having different cultures. And the Iraqi culture and general Middle Eastern culture is very strong on its on its sense of national identity. And he says that people come over here, and, he, and he's a, he's a fucking Muslim, and he says Muslims come over here and they expect the English population to essentially accommodate them bringing over their laws, you know, Sharia, it's yeah. called, you know, law, but we call it Sharia law. And and he, as a Muslim, says, this isn't appropriate, like, this isn't right. If you come to another country, you respect their customs and their laws, right? You know, if you think, if you were to go over to, you know, to a Middle Eastern country and try and install, <laughs> exactly. like, your laws, that would be considered absurd. Yeah. But, and this goes back to kind of this very soft belly thing of what the Well, English we roll like out is. the welcome mat. Exactly. Is, they wipe their feet on it, they abuse it. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, and, and this is where we have to have nuance to the conversations, because it's not to say, oh, the fucking Muslims aren't welcome. It's like, no, no. At all, fucking the guy who said this is a Muslim. Yeah, he's saying that you, if you come to a country and if you intend to stay there and make a life for yourself, it's just generally respectful to adhere to, to essentially to, to. It's a show of good faith to, to would you say, integrate with the values and customs. I think we do as a as a population. We're very accommodating. Yeah, and um, it's not to, just to clarify. It's not to say that you can't have your own customs and practice your no, own no. things. Of course not. But it's what I'm saying is to specifically to try and make demands and say that if you won't allow us to adhere to, or, you know, we, we are going to adhere to this set of customs and it's going to affect, you know, you in this sort of way. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm, I'm just a little bit of philosophy and then I'll hand back over to you. No, that's um, right. Who was it? It was, I think it was, okay, this is in the branch of ethics, either Jeremy Bentham or John Stuart Mill. These were the utilitarian groups if, if I don't suppose you're into philosophy. No. But these guys essentially said, and this is a very <laughs> smiley. Fuck the human race, eh? <laughs> well, okay. So just briefly, one of the one of the I'll points. Apologise. One of the points that they make, and this is a common sentiment a lot of people talk about, is that talking about freedom, freedom of choice. You know, if you can do what you want so long as it doesn't affect me. So essentially, if you say what are your rights, and your rights essentially extend as far as you want up until the point where they start to affect me. So as long as 
you aren't sort of imposing your will on me by making your own choices fucking great so we're talking about people coming over here you know say Muslims in this example you practice what you're up with the headphones sir. no I just had itchy ear that's fine that's <laughs> you're doing really well by the way yeah well, I'm used to it now awesome they're quite comfortable actually so um it, with we say Muslims coming over you can do whatever you want with regards to your culture so long as it doesn't start having an impact on the on you know the the yeah. culture that the established culture that you're a part yeah. of um, yeah so when cool. a little uh, thing when my, I was, as you know I worked abroad yes I was working in Belgium and this was in the early 70s they still certainly when they knew we were English they were talking about how the the British soldiers, Dunkirk and all that, saved them. They were still in awe. And this is the oh, same. Really? Oh, you're English. Decades yeah. later. Oh, you the, the soldier. They were still on about it. And we were like, well, gods, but I mean, they, they just... <laughs> and we were on... We were on the border with France because Belgium, wherever you are, yeah, yeah. you're on a border yeah. and we were on the border with France. And they sort of, and we're thinking, well, there's nothing to do with me, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was respect, if you like, you know? Um, and, and another good point, we, we were working on this building site. We were, by the time we finished at night, we were pretty shabby, we were yeah. dirty, dusty, clothes because they were working on those roles. And we, Two of us were walking across at the site over to where we were staying. This bloke come up to us and he, he started ranting on in English because he said, Where's right? We're English. He started ranting on about, You're right. We, he thought we were tramps. Oh, he yeah. said, Yeah, because we're. <laughs> and he said, Oh, these people earning big money. Look at us. We're tramps. I thought, If you knew what we was earning a week, mate, you would be saying this. But he actually. And he was just ranting about it, a bit like I ran. But he just thought we were depressed, underrated citizens. Yeah. And we we just went along with it. You can't fucking move. <laughs> we we judge others by their actions and ourselves by yeah. our intentions. Yeah. So when we look at other people, we judge them by how they look or how they act. But us, you know, it's sort of like we can. Of course we do. Down. Yeah. So when when it's say if I'm looking at a person I've never seen before, my instant reaction is what they do and how they dress, how are they acting, whatever you know. And I'm just condensing all of their complexity as a human into this one little caricature, like, oh, he's a tramp. Yeah. But whereas me, yeah. I judge myself by my intentions. Oh, well, you know, I'm dirty, I've been working all day today, whatever it is, you know. So I see myself in all my complexity, but someone pointing down the street, oh, he's a simple two-dimensional character, do you yeah. know what I mean? So. But getting back, and I want to make a point of Go this. Go on, I'm ready. The problem in this country is you do gooders. They stir it. They stir up the... Black population. I'm not saying that they're not some of them, but they they stir it. You get them on the telly. It's oh. not. It's not just because I hear what you're saying, but I think that this this is something that happens for all groups of people. Go on, please carry on. Well, I don't. I disagree because nobody's helping the and the people who live on the streets. But it shouldn't be oh, happening. Yeah, I don't mean it's disgusting. People living on the streets today where people like, like me are very comfortable, thank you very much. And I'm not clever and I haven't done anything. But when you've got guys who fought in Iraq or wherever, they're sleeping on the streets. It's, to me, I just don't get it. We're living in the 21st century and you can go down to Egham and you see people just in doorways. You think there's something wrong. Well, I know there's something wrong, but nobody... And I'm putting the finger at the government because they're in control. They're not addressing it. They're addressing... I'm hopping back to the boat, people. And that They're addressing that. But 
they're not addressing our own people who are sleeping on the streets. And to, to me, you're not doing your job, mate. You're not representing the people it's who you should be failure. representing. Yeah. And I will stand by that. You can call me what you like. I stand by I looking <laughs> after the, these people. You, you should look after them. Yeah, that's not, not controversial not at all. some group of people who are sold over on a bloody dinghy. No way. Yeah, and, and this is actually a really nice example you give here because it shows... I think it's, it makes very clear that, what would you say, your intentions. It's not that, say, the default reaction is, oh, he doesn't like immigrants, he, he doesn't like brown people, he's a racist. It's like, no, what you're saying is that you have to put, you know, obviously you have to put your own population first. I don't care what colour the man in the street is. It's brown, blue, black. If it's he's sleeping on the street and he's he's in this country, he should be looked after. Yeah. Simple. I don't, don't... Uh, yeah. You know, I ain't got no, I like a Chinese, I like an Indian meal, you know? Does that make... Because, I, because I'll eat Chinese, am I all right with, with different people? But I don't like Italian food. Oh, you're a fucking racist, you don't like Italian food. I've got like a you know what I mean? I like Italian. But the point is, because you don't like something, you're automatically... Yeah. Well, a we, well, like I said earlier, we, we, we turn people into two-dimensional caricatures. It's, oh, he said about the immigrants, oh, he, he must be a racist. Yeah. He, he's a white man talking about brown people. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's one of them, he's one of them lot. Yeah. Which is funny, because that's itself very generalistic and racist. Well, in, in a <laughs> sense, right? If someone's going, white, old white man talking about, you know, brown people, oh, he must be racist. It's like, well, that's a little bit racist, you know? <laughs> yeah. you're, certainly, you're certainly condensing yeah. one person into this generalised stereotype. But that's what happens. We're generalised, you know? Yeah, well, we need to, right? We need to be able to generalise because the world is so... No, you're, you're doing fine. The, we, the world is so complex, you have to be able to make generalisations because yeah. the alternative is to treat every single person and scenario you ever come across as completely new and novel that's every right. time. You just can't do it. So, of course, generalisation is a useful tool, but what happens is it becomes problematic when we get lazy and we keep generalising where actually we need to recognise the nuance and complexity of a situation. Yeah. Give a good little instance. A few weeks ago, a man ran aside the there. Yeah. Digging, and next door, cooking. They're Indians. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I don't know if they're Pakistani. But I'm smelling this food. So I know I'm sort of to say. So yeah. I've gone round and knocked on the door. She's come to the door. Now, she don't speak a lot of English. They're old, sort of in their 60s. I said, I don't know what you're cooking, but can you give me the recipe for it? Can you write it down? She's put it in that box. It's just loaded. God, I thought no more about it. A few weeks later, I happened to see Sid. He's, we, he said, call me Sid. So uh, he said, uh, I think that upset my wife the other week. I said, why? What's about? He said, um, I know why you come round. She thought I'd come round to complain about the smell. Oh, no. And he knew, he said, because... And I'd gone round to say, and he said to her, no, he's come round to compliment you yeah. your cooking. Yeah. So he said, next time I do so, I'll bring it round. But he said um, she was quite upset. The cultural uh, barriers. Yeah, she said, oh, they're oh, complaining about wow. the smell. He said, I don't That's think... fascinating. Yeah. It just shows you how things, wires get crossed. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I'll, yeah. I've gone round to say, this food, lovely. Yeah, like, you're being every... genuinely sincere yeah. going, she this... was upset. She, oh, she yes. said she was really upset. Oh, no. Uh, Is she all right now? She... Oh, yeah, he yeah. explained it to her because yeah. he said no. Cultural he, barriers. You know, he, he knew us like... Yeah, did she, she no. think you were being sarcastic or something? Like, no, I think she just was... Thought, I was complaining because of the smell. Yeah. But it was a lovely smell. Yeah, went, yeah. <laughs> what are you cooking? Oh, what's yeah. up? Fucking nosy this shows. A, this is a thing where people get their when you're dealing with different 
back to way an yeah. Englishman thinks, and yeah. perhaps it's a really lovely example. Yeah. Wires get crossed. Yeah. Before you know it, if he took it the wrong way, oh, you could have that a white bastard. He's his son. He'd have been around banging on my door. Yeah. And it could have blown up into a massive yeah. oh, you <laughs> actually, bastard. You... What's, what's the problem? Yeah. So. A good point. Where two cultures come together, yeah. they totally just. If she, I mean, she isn't very good with the English. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But we, she got it totally wrong, and yeah. her wires got the crossed. complete wrong way. Yeah, and it just shows you how things can escalate yeah. into a big racial thing. Yeah, it was just I was complimenting her on the cooking. Yeah, wow, that's a brilliant <laughs> yeah, story. That shows that you. illustrates so well what we're talking about. Yeah, here. and particularly the thing about the the cultures. That's fantastic. Because, you know, we talk about the first one that always comes to mind for me is the Germans. You know, the Germans stereotypically haven't got any humour, you know, very straight to the point, you know, can be quite blunt in that sense, yeah. maybe quite insulting, you know, very... Well, they're not insulting, they're very abrupt. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not. Do you know we, what I mean? We, yeah, we know. dance around. I, yeah. I've heard a, a brilliant um, analogy of the English versus the German mindset is that the English will spiral around the topic and not want to go in, you know, will sort of dance around it. That's right. Like, and try to use us. When, when, as the English, if we don't want to say something in an insulting way, we will use so many words. Yeah. We'll write a book on it. Yeah, it'll be like, oh, if, if I were to say, I don't like your haircut, that's not true, but yeah. you look great. But if I were to say that, I'd go, yeah, oh, um... I, yeah, just one thing about that. I don't know how you feel about this, but the other day when you got a haircut, it's sort of a little bit like, it's, oh my God, man, just say you don't fucking like it. Whereas the Germans, obviously this is a stereotype, yeah. but stereotypically they go, your hair. So you ask, so you good. probably know us, we, we're quite to the point. Yeah. If you don't like it, like, don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and as I say, my main, after all this chat we've had, I still point the finger at your do-gooders and your social workers and all these people who think they're doing good, but all they're doing is stirring muddy waters. Yeah. And that's how... I can't say generally, but a lot of the time they are stirring muddy. Instead of leaving things be and let people just integrate, get on, but no, they have to stir it. So that stirs up the white population, saying, fucking bastards, stirs up the black population because saying, fucking, you're right, you're right what you say, We're, we're underdogs, when really they're not underdogs. They might get the odd few, but generally the black population in this country are treated, I think, equal rights. They got, they got it all. But you get the, the do-gooders will like to stir it. That's how I, I see it. Yeah. This is my opinion. I think there is, and this, this will be something which I think is very controversial. As always, I'm, I'm happy we're talking about this. I think there is a genuine point to be made in that, which is that there is something to be said for people who promote this idea of you're oppressed yeah. is, is a very harmful thing. Now, again, I have to clarify that to say, that doesn't mean to say that there aren't genuine problems black people face today. Of course there are. Like we, we but any about, any um, race in this country, there's, you get people as... Of course. I mean, I, you can categorise this in so many ways. I mean, a, a classic example for me is that the I, I have experienced... That from a working class perspective, yeah, getting oh, stopped, that's great one in this get, country. Getting working stopped by the police a few times. Yeah. We've been walking home at night, and of course, you know, like your teenagers walking home, and you get stopped by the police. Now, one time we were actually were doing something wrong; we were throwing eggs at buses, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Yeah, because the other times it, it was, well, all times you know we were just walking, so it in and of itself it was unprovoked. Now, of course, as a caveat to say, that doesn't mean to say that they're on the same level, but do you know what I mean? That I think dif- different groups will experience 
prejudices in different ways. That's kind of what we are as humans, you know. Everyone's prejudiced in some sense in a particular oh, context. You know, say for instance, oh, here's a great example. Okay, so it's I don't think it's that. How would you say it? Prejudice is always contextual. We're all prejudices. Um, oh, of course we are. Well, we're, we're humans. We're, we're, we're in tribes. Yeah. And if you're part of our tribe, whatever that tribe consists of, then you're in the in-group and anyone outside of that. So just as equally, you, you can categorise the tribe in a racial side and you go white tribe, black <clears throat> tribe, and, you know, sort of all the other... Jeremy, so then that's one way of looking at it. And then you've also got men and women tribe and then you've got the... Um, uh, Lost my train of thought, so I think about something. We're all about tribes and people and prejudices. <laughs> you get you get so deep. I, I got so deep into it, and I thought, "Fuck, where was I going with Can this?" Can I just oh, in, interrupt? Um, when I was a kid, um, twelve, thirteen, what technology that? Like then, we were allowed to stay out late. Yeah, there was no fear of anything, you know. And the rule was, being by the time it gets dark. Yeah, so by the time it gets dusk, dark. So you've got two or three of us, kids, going home. Only kids. Because then we had the bobby on the bike. Policeman. Policeman. So if he see you, not always, he might stop. Where are you going, lads? Where are we going home? Where you been? What are you doing out this time of night? So then we were, if you like, stopped by the police. It wasn't in a patrol car, but it was the old bobby on the bike. But he wanted to know why we was out, where we was going. So really nothing's changed. But we didn't take offence, we fucking police. What are they picking on me for? It was like... And the the byword then was, I know where you live, and if you catch you doing anything wrong, I'll be around to see your mum and dad. Fucking fear of God in you. Yeah. What? The police coming around. <laughs> Perhaps it worked and we didn't step out of line. But yeah. what I'm saying is, we were subjected to the same things, but in a condensed way. We didn't say, why is he picking on us? It was just, oh, yeah, we're out. The cop has stopped us. Yeah. You know, what are you doing, lads? Where you go? He's probably just making sure we was going to get home safe or whatever. Yeah. But the point I'm making is we didn't get a oh, fucking hoo-ha it, about it. Yeah, it, oh. it is a different... When we're talking about that compared to, say, you know, what you're talking about with the do-gooders, um, there is a difference here because I think... Ah, this is where we need nuance, right? Because people who are, say, going on the news talking about stuff, they are pointing out genuine problems and I, I stand by that of course but where I think what you're talking about and where I do agree with you you know to an extent is that the a lot of the narrative is very self-depreciating it's yeah. we're oppressed we're the other group then people start to believe it yeah it's it's a very self-fulfilling prophecy um so I think you can both can be true at the same time that these people are coming from a very good place where they're saying there is police injustice you know but like we were talking about earlier you know you are going to get stopped as a black person particularly in say in london particularly if you're say particularly if you look successful because they think exactly you're driving a, a decent car yeah yeah and actually funny one of my one of my old mates from school he um he's been into cars his whole life and he's very big on like motorsports and all that so he's actually he's my age so he's 22 so maybe a bit younger so maybe he's 21 22 he's got beamer so he's right. got a really... Oh, that's the car to pull, isn't yeah. it? The police, so, yeah. And he, he tells me he gets stopped yeah. like, ridiculously oh, often. Now, OK, I'm going to say this, because this is, this is kind of part of my point. 
don't really know where I'm going with this. I'm sort of like, oh, shit. <laughs> but he gets stopped very frequently. He probably actually, this is no joke, he probably gets stopped probably once every one or two weeks. Which pisses, which pisses you off. Yeah. But if I he, get pissed off if I get stopped once. I mean, right? what but if, if he were black... Oh, he's not black. No, no, no. He's white. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. So he's yes. Yeah, right. I, I sh- should have said that. So, so he's he's white, and yeah. he's my age. He's twenty one, twenty two. He's got um, beamer, and he gets stopped very often because the police essentially see him and go, "What's a young lad doing driving a car?" But like that's that? wrong. That's pitching ugly people, isn't it? But but do you see the point that if that were, if he were black, it would be very likely that that would be seen in a racist way. To be yeah. saying he, they've stopped him oh, because he's okay, black. Yeah, yeah. It's do you see it's what I'm right. saying? Yeah, it's okay. so so because because he's white, obviously yeah. that can't be the reason they've they've stopped him. You know, for being black. Yeah. So so they've stopped him on different grounds. You know, for, in this example, it's because he looks too young to be driving a beamer, but. Say, for instance, if everything else were the same but he were black, well, why have they stopped him? Because when he's white, they've stopped him because he's young. But when he's black, let's say they stop him the exact same number of times, how many times would you infer a racially motivated choice by the police? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So... What I mean to say with all of this, when you're talking about these do-gooders, I'm still not entirely sure that who you're talking about. I think I know who um, you're talking the about. The people who come on the telly and back the black people who stir it. Instead yeah. of just let, letting the situation calm down, they enhance it and make it, they build it up. Then a lot of the people are well, beating it, a drum. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what I was talking about earlier about seeing things in human terms, where if if these people you say are stirring stuff, if they're viewing it... They don't mean to stir it, but they are stirring it without realising. They think antagonising, maybe. Is, yeah, is they the think they're well. doing a good thing. They're not. Well, of course they. Yeah, they're they doing yeah. totally opposite. Of course they wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. I'll give you an instance. I was, I was, um, plumbing, ten to fifteen years ago. I had the van. Right, your name was in the van. We had the dog with us about eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. I'm going over to Emma's because I was doing some work over there. Gone round around about. I put stains. We're saying. Uh, Sainsbury's gone round all of a sudden da, 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 da. pull over yeah pull over uh, good morning sir do you know why I stopped you no well, I couldn't see your tax list now tax list are in the corner it was there I thought alright you give me some bullshit I'll go along with this uh, have you had a drink no not today no he said uh, last night I said yeah what time I said, my last drink was about 10 o'clock. I thought, I'll be truthful, about 10 o'clock. He said, what did you drink? I said, I had a couple of scotches. Unfortunately, that morning, for some reason, I decided to have some toast and a cup of tea. Yeah. He said, do you mind blowing in the bag? Well, it's no good saying, no, I do mind. Yeah, you, yeah. you don't. You've got to blow. Got to blow it. I'm thinking, fuck. Anyway, I come, come out. I was clean. He said, all right, you're clean. You can go. And I thought, you arsehole. Why have you bothered to stop me? You know, I'm in a van. You could see my tax disc. He, yeah, this yeah, it was all like, It's uh, like the tail lights yeah, out. Yeah, I think it probably had nothing to do on a Saturday morning. I pull him. Unfortunately, I, I was all right. But I was a bit peeved by it, you know? So, looking on the other side of the coin, if you're getting pulled once a week, you're going to get really pissed off with this. Yeah. And then it's going to get to the stage where you, you get, you go straight on the attack. Yeah. Then, of course, the cop has got a good reason. And there you go. And this, this is another problem. Yeah. And, and um, I, th- I, go on. I've not got a lot of respect for the police. Some of them are all right, but a lot of them are out to goad. I think, right, let's yeah. wind. Yeah. And they want it. Yeah. And because well, they're in a position of power, they they can do it. Yeah. They want. I'm really glad you said that actually, because it 
it, it really helps to kind of flesh out where you stand on these sorts of things because of course you know people listening to this I'll try show. and be fair I yeah, look at I look at things from both sides of the fence so you know so when when you see it that way you, you there we go we're injecting the human side into it so where we look at these people you say who are sort of antagonizing by saying sort of certain things which are making the situation worse from their perspective they're seeing you know they're getting pissed off they're seeing genuine problems where yeah. it's like well hang on why do we keep getting pulled over and particularly if you're living in an area where you know it a lot of these areas, they're quite economically deprived. Now, I know that you say, well, hang on there, you know, that was the case. Yeah, but it's a, two, it's a two-sided sword. Yeah. You've got them that antagonise by carrying weapons, so the police know it. Yeah. But then there's the other side of it, of the just respectable blokes just want to get on with their lives. Yeah. So you've got this imbalance. The police are thinking every black man's going to stab somebody. And then the black man's thinking every copper I see is going to pull me. And there you go. And that's a really nice, so, really nicely put, because it's... It's a mutual antagonising. There was a brilliant book um, by a guy called Malcolm Gladwell. Um, <clears throat> I don't suppose you know who that is, but he's he's no. famous for doing sort of like pop psychology books and he demystifies a lot of important talking points. And one of his most recent books is called Talking to Strangers. And it's he's a really good storyteller. And what he does is he begins the book by t- telling this story about a woman called Sandra Blant. And it's kind of a mystery at first because she's just this normal average woman you know law-abiding citizen a black woman and she is pulled over by the police so, go on i'm gonna interrupt you this is a point we make you've just made it she was a black woman no, no, no this is relevant to the story oh but what i'm saying is we have to put that in she he was black no, no she, this is relevant to the story oh, all right so i apologize no, sorry sorry no, I'll, I'll explain on this right so so she was a black woman she was pulled over by the police um it got very confrontational and then she was then arrested for, for like, the, the initial pulling over, like with you with the van, yeah, was for nothing. was for absolutely nothing. Yeah. But then because it, ex, because it escalated and then it got, I think it almost got, like, violent. I think he might have pulled a gun on her or, or something like that where it got, it went escalated yeah. way too far. And then she killed herself in prison or, or while she was in, in a holding cell or something a couple of days later. Now, Malcolm Gladwell talking to strangers, what the what the book does is it investigates how did this happen and exactly what you said there it's that and this is what is so important to recognize it's human it's that the black people keep getting pulled over and there's a lot of shit particularly in the states a oh lot definitely more states, right, in the where, states yeah. where there are we keep seeing all of these problems happening and black people are getting pissed off because you go we've been yeah. dealing with this shit for years and years and years and yeah. it's it's ingrained into their into the social history into the community history and when you keep seeing people who look like you get shot and killed for stuff, but, hang on, I'm going oh, to on, yeah, finish on. this point. You, as a group, you start to get pissed off and then you start to get angry. And then the way you respond to people That's who right. you see as, as the perpetrators, as the police, you start to respond to them as hostility. Now, let's look at it on the other side. The policemen, they're seeing, you know, a, a lot of, say, gang violence, a lot of it's perpetrated by black people. It, it, do you know what? It doesn't even matter what the actual statistics are. It's what we perceive to be the case. If, if say, white policemen are seeing on the media, wherever it is, a lot of crime committed by black people or whatever it is, they're going to be, for right or wrong, they're going to be a little bit on edge around well, people. Well, that was the point I was going to make. You can see by the news, they're panicking the police and, and they're going to shoot before... And there you go. Um, 
Go on, carry on. I won't well, no, I mean, what you're saying is a good point. And I believe it was the same with this, these two athletes, these black athletes. Yeah, can you the, just explain that quickly? Because we, we, we didn't get it on, on recording. So the story well, what, of those two athletes. What I can gather, they were driving down the road, they got the kid in the back. Yeah, They're the, two world-class athletes. Black which Just black. Black, yeah. yeah. Afro-Caribbeans or whatever they are. I think the guy's Portuguese. Right. And the, what was he? And the gist of it, what I can make of it... They didn't stop, or they was driving erratically when the police wanted them to stop. Yeah. And the police were in the van. There's five, I think it's five coppers in the van, so they pulled them in. But you could tell the way the police acted, they were panicky. Yeah. It wasn't, excuse me, sir, blah, blah. They actually was getting them out of the car. Yeah. And there was five coppers there, and there was a woman there. And the, the, the police were actually started shouting and screaming at them. Yeah. They, and to me, the police should... Now, would you step out of the car? And you can see the, the police were going into panic mode. Yeah. And I, I presume they thought they had a weapon, weapon, or, or, and they were driving a BMW, I believe. So immediately, we should be trouble. It's hostility and suspicion. Yeah. against the bloke. You think, fucking hell, come yeah. on. You know, are you cowards? Can't you just calm the situation? Yeah. The police are supposed to calm a situation down. Yeah. The police were making the situation worse. Oh, they yeah. were aggravated. Yeah. And the bloke said, whoa, whoa, you know, back off, back off. This is the... the and they just had him against the wall. Yeah. Now, if it was me or you, I'd be pissed off. I'd say, fucking, what are you doing? Yeah. But because they're black, it's even worse. And then exact, and then it feeds into the narrative because yeah. essentially, and this, do we, we're talking about the exact same thing with this whole talking to strangers book with Malcolm Gladwell and sorry, no, she was a um, tree probably. Yeah, uh, well, we can wrap up whenever you want. Yeah, and then versus, uh, so this footballer example, um, or the athlete example, exact same thing. You've got hostility and suspicion and fear on both sides. The black people, from what they've seen in the media, they don't trust the police. Vice versa, the police... Again, it doesn't even matter if it's, like, statistically true. It's what we perceive to be the case, and we're immediately hostile to these other groups. And then, exactly as you say, it starts to escalate because the police are going... I've seen this on the news, you know, I see what these people... Can. Exactly. And, and it's it's prejudice and confusion and fear. There's this brilliant thing by... I'm going to say this and maybe we should wrap up. Yeah. Um, a guy called Daryl Davis. He's a, he's such an inspirational figure. He is a... a well, this, this is going to be a very crazy sentence to say out loud. He is a black man who goes around speaking to Ku Klux Klan members... <laughs> And and de-radicalizing <laughs> yeah. them, so he famously spoke to I think it was the uh, I forget his title like a grand dragon or a grand yeah the wizard. grand master yeah like a, a dude really yeah. high up in the clan and he fucking sat down with him and and essentially befriended him over the course of several months and and de-radicalized him and and the guy left the clan yeah because he had but a conversation with him I think of it the one word there. Be fre- if you can befriend somebody, yeah. you can convince them. Yeah. If you go in as their enemy, but if you can actually convince, I'm yeah. your mate. You yeah. think, well, I'll this listen is what I to said. you. We're you're, both you're... humans. Yeah. This is what I said. If we can view th- these things on human terms, not he's a black person, <clears throat> or he's going to be doing this, or he's a fucking like he's yeah. a copper, he's out to get me. You, we're all people, and you're scared, and I'm scared, and yeah. it's a confusing situation. Thing we will touch on sometime, go on. which is pretty much where we're talking. The tribal football gangs. Oh, yeah. When, they're, they're, this is tribal. Yeah. I don't care what you say. Us and everybody them. on the telly, they're my team. Yeah. It's not like... That's yeah. who else. They're yeah. my it's team. It's us, we. Yeah. I won't go into... But that is a tribal thing. Yeah. But if you're black, white, you're you're accepted in that tribe. Yeah. Because you, you're black, it's fucking you. Yeah, yeah. I support what you support. You're in. So then 
racial thing don't come into it. Yeah, funny that. You're part of a larger group which doesn't see it as a race. We'll leave it there. Yeah, brilliant. Really, really enjoy this. Right, right, go on. We're going to feed the dog now or something. Yeah, no, fed. I'm just going to cut them a slash. (laughs) (laughs) No, really, really enjoy that. That was great.